prouder and prouder of it every day and today we are uh, didn't you just like think of it on the top of your head yeah and it's it's proven to have legs it gets cuter every time i hear it uh but anyway today we okay you any of our regular listeners who at the moment is nobody might recall <laughs> might recall that a while back uh megan and i reviewed a movie called walking tall which was a remake of a movie called walking tall and the original Walking Tall was kind of a surprise hit that spawned two sequels and later a, a remake, mm-hmm. a straight-to-TV remake, before The Rock did a remake of it. Yes. Well, for those of you in the audience wondering, today we're reviewing Race to Witch Mountain, which is a remake of Escape to Witch Mountain, which was a movie that came out in 1975 that was a surprise hit that spawned two sequels <laughs> and a television made straight-to-TV remake a few years later. Uh, in like the 1980s. I feel like there's a pattern here. Yeah. I'm not sure though. The, the only difference is that Race to Witch Mountain didn't spawn two straight to, de- straight to TV sequels starring Kevin Sorbo. No. That did happen to Walking Tall. Walking Tall got two sequels starring Kevin Sorbo. That almost would be funny to see though. If it did happen, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, in this movie, uh, it's based apparently on a book, whereas Walking Tall was based on real life events. Yeah. And uh, the book uh, is, okay, again, cards on the table time. I've seen, though it has been at least over two decades, the original Race to Witch Mountain, which was called Escape to Witch Mountain. My mother really loved that movie when I was a kid. It was one of the Disney movies she loved watching. Uh, And I have not seen it in so long that I barely remember any of it. Uh, Megan... You, I haven't seen it. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen any of it. And neither of us had watched Race to Witch Mountain before this. No. I remember catching a couple of scenes of it on like, I know the meme. television. Yeah. We'll get to the meme in a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a couple of... Uh, I remember catching a couple of scenes on television once. And I remember the poster very clearly. It's the, the cover we've got right here. Yeah. On this thing where it's got like a, a, a spaceship and Dwayne Johnson's face and these two kids... So and and the 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 poster really didn't do anything for me. I remember it doesn't liter- tell you anything. Well, I remember it was one of the first times I'd ever seen Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. On the poster, as opposed to Dwayne the Rock Johnson or Dwayne. I think he. I think it was Dwayne the Rock Johnson actually on the poster. Hang on, let me see what his credit is on IMDb. Yeah. No, it's just Dwayne Johnson. So it yeah. must have been. It was one of the first times I'd ever seen Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, it says starring Dwayne Johnson, Drake yeah, Bruno, as, Johnson. Yeah, before we get to uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson era, which I believe is uh, not too long after this. Um, by the way, uh, if anybody's wondering, right after this is when they did the Rock Obama jo- uh, Saturday Night Live skit with him, which I've never seen, but I've heard is pretty funny. I liked his Superman one. That was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not Superman. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not Superman. But yeah, the uh, this one doesn't have. Um, it's just Dwayne Johnson. So props to him. We were tracking that for a while, but I think the last time he was Dwayne the Rock Johnson was the Game Plan, which ironically is also the director of this movie. Directed yeah. the Game Plan. We didn't know that's we were watching the extra features. We were like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, We're in, slow on the uptake sometimes. Yeah, in Get Smart and in this, he's just Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. 
I remember seeing the poster. I'm like, oh, Dwayne Johnson. He's trying to get away from the rock persona. Props to him. I'm never going to see that movie. Uh, not because it didn't look like it was interesting Actually, it, just, it looked very kiddish to me and I was at that age this came out in 2008 2009 2009 so I was I was 19 yeah I was right at that age where I'm like in my my mid 20s and I'm like I don't want to see kids movies in theaters anymore I'm not going to spend my cash my hard earned cash <laughs> mopping floors I think I was still a janitor at this point uh, Do I'm not going to do that just to go see a Dwayne Johnson movie in the theater. If I'm ever going to watch it, I'll rent it or buy it on DVD or Blu-ray. Which is another thing I want to comment on. We watched the opening of this. This is another one of those movies where they had to go out of their way to clarify, Blu-ray is better. Which is really funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially since it's been over a decade since it's come out. Yeah. Because uh, I understand the confusion, believe it or not. Because Blu-ray discs look almost identical to DVD discs. They're just blue. They're just blue. And the, the argument is they had to explain to audiences. This is also when the HD DVD thing was the, the, they were in competition with each other. Yeah. So they were trying desperately to sell the Blu-ray as the next big thing. And now they just do both. Yeah. Well, no, I think HD DVD just kind of crashed and No, burned. no, HD DVD disappeared. But yeah. I'm talking about they just do DVD and Blu-ray now. Yeah, they just release both. They don't really compete with each other. They're just... Well, it was more. Blu-ray is slightly more expensive, but it has more features. That's yeah, but I, I and, was, and it has better definition. And better definition. Yeah. But I honestly think that the, it was more a competition with HD DVD than it was DVDs. Yeah. DVDs was just a thing. Yeah. HD DVD. It was like beta versus VHS. They were trying to compete with each other to push one of them out, and mm-hmm. Blu-ray won in this case. It's like VHS won in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> the uh, the movie. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump into that now since we covered oh, most of Oh, I do have places. one story. My sister oh, did. My Ooh. sister's the one that saw this in the theaters with her best friend, and apparently they were the only two people in the theater. It was a small theater in Ocala. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like 6 or $7 per ticket. And what they told me, because I went to see a different movie at the time. I cannot remember what I saw. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was an adult at the time, and I was taking my teenage sister to a movie. So we went to see a different movie with one of my fr- well, I went to see a different movie with my friends, and they told me they were running around the movie theater and playing while the movie was going on. I'm like, well, that must have caught you. That movie must have caught your attention. She's like, I don't know. Yeah. I should have um, texted her about this. Yeah. Um, a slight diversions for me. Remember when Movie Pass was a thing a couple of years ago? Yeah. Okay. When Movie Pass dropped their price to 100 bucks for a full year subscription, I went ahead and bought one. And it was, I actually saw like three movies, uh, the Dog Island, the, that uh, weird and, uh, uh, kind of claymation Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sergeant Stubbs, the dog from World War One. Yeah. Uh, that CGI movie. And a third movie. I went and saw all three of those movies, I can't remember what the third one was, in the theater that I would never have paid to go see because I had free movie pass. Just show them the movie pass, you can go inside. Well... I was the only one in the theater all three times. I literally had a full phone conversation with someone while watching Stubbs, the Sergeant Stubbs, the dog, the dog in war movie, because there was nobody else there. <laughs> uh, I've never had that kind of movie experience. It's, it's an incredibly freeing experience, although it is kind of heartbreaking, because I think both Sergeant Stubbs and Dog Island, if that was the name of that movie, I think Isle it's of Dogs. Same... It's the Isle of Dogs. I love dogs. No, Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. I was like, what? Okay, I misheard you completely. Isle of Dogs. Yeah, that's the same people that made the fantastic Mr. Fox and stuff. Yeah, and it was really good in my opinion. I felt bad that the movie, both movies didn't have much of an audience, but I only got to see it because 
you know, the, I had Movie Pass. Nobody was there. And now Movie Pass is not a thing anymore because they crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing we want to mention that we completely forgot to mention on our last podcast, even though you guys might not be listening to one after the other, but we just have to mention it because we've completely forgot on Get Smart. Uh, and I, I bring it up because he was in Isle of Dogs, so I, I know this. Uh, Bill Murray appears in Get Smart as a tree. <laughs> He's an agent in a tree. Yeah, so, that's uh, his extent. That's the extent of it. It's it's it, yeah. It was Isle of Dogs. So yeah, if you've um if you've that never... is also a meme that I did yes. not realize yeah, it was, was a meme. from Get Smarter. So and the meme of this one we'll discuss when we get there. Yeah. Uh, so the the movie opens with a really creepy montage to like heavy music of like conspiracy theories around aliens it and the government like cover-ups. It seems like the beginning of like a horror alien movie. Or, or like a, a, an X-Files film. Yeah. Like this is going to be the opening of the next X-Files movie. Yeah, it, it, it's like that basically. It, it doesn't fit with the tone of the film. Not at all. No, because um, it makes it seem like the aliens are really sinister and they're, and they're not. Well, one of them is. <laughs> one of them is, but... We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so they, the, the, uh, the, the government is tracking an incoming unidentified flying object, crashes in Nevada, uh, and the government runs in really quick to get to pick up the, the ship. Yeah. And they kind of see a couple of something in the distance running away, but they don't get a good look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's straight out of Mac and me. And then. <laughs> a plus movie. Yeah. Mac accidentally robs a store. It's great. <laughs> they intentionally rob an ATM. Oh, yeah, they did. And nobody commented on that. Well, it was, just, it was the bank. Who cares? Who fucking cares? Uh, so, <laughs> Your um, hard hurt cash went to a good cause. Two aliens needing a cab ride. Well, they, they saved the world in the end. So True, but nobody that, knows. No. Well, Dwayne Johnson knows. And if he knows, and they wrote that book, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself. Well, that's because you're you're breaking the flow here. So anyway, all I said is, who cares? I brought up Mac and me, and your brain jammed. You just couldn't. Fall yeah, in. because that movie freaking fried my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what's funny? I watched it as a recommendation from my sister. Um, we should actually give this to her when she visits. Yeah. <laughs> so you can finally watch the movie. Christmas present. There you go. Chris, I'll get her something that she'll like and this movie. Yeah, we'll just give her this copy. We'll <laughs> wrap copy. it up and say, you can finally see it now that we're done. <laughs> you can finally watch the movie like you wanted to. <laughs> so um, anyway, so the, after the, the government shows up and they got that guy who plays Satan in the second uh, Ghost Rider movie yeah. uh, to be the head of the bad guys. His name is Burke. Yeah. Um, the, the kids run away, or at least that's what we're left to assume. And then we cut to Dwayne Johnson. It only took four minutes to get Dwayne Johnson in this movie. It's, Which is good. Yeah, it's good. Because he's he play, I like him in this because he's playing a good guy. Yeah. Um, and in this one... He's, he's just had a, a tough break. Yeah, he's, he's a cab driver. Yeah. Um, and he's, his, his life is not stellar. Right now there's a UFO convention. And we will get to the convention at some point in the yeah. story. Wait for it because we have a lot to say. I'm not saying anything. You are. Okay, I'm just saying they have a couple of Stormtrooper guys that get in the back seat, fully clothed as Stormtroopers, and they start doing and the... And this is before Disney had... Before Disney. This must have been... Megan was theorizing this is 2009. Disney's buyout happened in 2012. 
So it's possible they might have spent in talks yeah. to purchase Lucasfilm. Or at least work with Lucasfilms. Well, I know they worked with Lucasfilms more than once, but it yeah. might have been they were in talks and starting to roll the, the ideas. Because from what I realize is that negotiations for buyouts from Disney usually take years. Yeah. So and it, we don't see it coming, but they do. So they, <laughs> what they might have done was like as a, as a well, it might have even been Lucasfilm when they found out that there was going to be a movie with like a convention. Yeah. They might have pitched as kind of like a sweetening of the pot. You know, you can use all the Star Wars characters you want you to. You just got to pay us money. Pay us a little bit of money, but it's to get the ball rolling on the sale. Yeah. Like to show Lucasfilm that they're they're hungry for this purchase yeah. uh, from Disney. Which Lucas made, what, $4 billion? So, uh, or something like, some insane amount of money like that. So, props. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalism at its best, man. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, uh, th so these convention goers are kind of picking on Dwayne Johnson. You know, you you take your land conveyance and take us to this convention on planet Basically. on the planet known as Hollywood because <laughs> they're going to planet Hollywood. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets a, a lift from uh, a very intelligent doctor. Yeah. Do you remember her name? No. <laughs> you do not remember the character's name. Uh, feel. Friedman? Friedman? Friedman, maybe? Friedman, yeah, it's Friedman, I think. Okay, I'm going to double check because I don't want to be rude. Oh my god. Because she just, was actually good. I yeah. just, it's just, she's in the movie relatively little compared yeah, to Yeah, she else. doesn't, she comes in like briefly at the beginning and then not till the, almost the end of the movie, so. Yeah, uh, Dr. Alex Friedman. Okay. So, uh. Sorry. I, I, we just watched the movie, I promise. I just have bad memories. Yeah, it's Carla. <laughs> I have a bad Carla memory. Gugino that I've seen in several other movies. Um. She's been in a lot of stuff. She was yes. in Watchmen. Yeah. She played Sally Jupiter, I think the first in that one, the, the mm. mom, Sally Jupiter. Okay, I haven't seen Watchmen. Uh, she's gonna be in San Andre. Well, you're gonna see her a couple more times. She's in like two other movies with him. Yeah. But uh, I know she's been in a lot of movies. Yeah, she was in Batman v Superman as the ship voice. So, okay, that, great, that that's great. not seeing her. Yeah, she was in Man of Steel as Kellor. Is that his his wife? Oh yeah, the mom. You mean the mom? Well, yeah. well his dad's wife is what I meant. Yeah, because you, you what we remember the most about that movie is Kurt Russ is Kurt Russell's Russell um, Russell Crowe as Kellor or whatever his name is, the dad. So I was thinking of him as... <laughs> I remember my sister coming home. CGI everywhere. <laughs> I don't know what's real and what's not. <laughs> well, they killed Jimmy Olsen in the second one, but better not to talk about it. Uh, right we're not going to get to that ever. No. So anyway, <laughs> the... God. Yeah, the, uh, the, the... So she's in the movie, and she's really good, but she's actually a real scientist who studies UFOs. Yeah. Uh, and she thinks that convention goers and crazies actually make them seem stupid. And... We're going to go ahead and say right here that this movie came out in 2009 during the height of the Patriot Act. They even referenced it in the movie. Yeah. And uh, of the government being everywhere and there are conspiracies around every corner. And I have to say, part of me is like, this is a funny, you know, movie trying to poke at them. But the problem is that, one, there actually is a government conspiracy revolving around aliens. It's just not the one that any of the people say is happening at yeah. the convention. And two... They literally reference, like, the lizard people, which is the whole sub-thing that the QAnon folk believe in. Like, and it's just... Oh, uh, it, it made part of this movie really hard to watch with a modern eye. Um, that happens a lot for us. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of movies that don't... Like, like Reno 911 did not age well. No. Uh, but overall, like, it's it's relatively small. 
It's just that it's kind of annoying that the movie is both making fun of conspiracy theorists. But then also... The movie is a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Because they have literally no evidence by the end of it because everything left except that that really advanced, like, phone. The tracker <laughs> thing. The yeah. GPS for the children. Which could theoretically prove them instantly if they just turn on the holograms, but still. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so anyway, the... Um, the, the thing is that the, she doesn't believe that, you know, any of these conspiracy theories exist. She thinks it's degrading to her profession. She the, believes there is intelligent life out there, but we just haven't run into it yet. Yeah, that, it, that she doesn't believe they're invading or anything like no. that. And, um, you know, Dwayne Johnson's just a typical, like, whatever, lady, give me your money. He's not mean, but it's clear he's tired of talking. He's having a rough time as a cab driver. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. A in, cab driver in Las Vegas. Yeah. That sounds... Terrible. Dangerous and terrible. So that night... They die a lot in CSI, I think. <laughs> yeah. So that night he goes home into his shitty hotel, which we wanted to comment. Props to the people making this movie for actually having someone working a minimum wage, annoying job, living in a shitty motel. I know, because if you're a cab driver in Las Vegas, you're not going to live in a nice-ass suite. Yeah, you're going to live in a shitty motel or a shitty apartment. I, it is <laughs> It is one of the few times where I wasn't watching a movie and going, how the hell can they afford that place they're living like, in? Like, Friends is like that. It just A lot of I, TV shows are like that. A lot that. of TV shows, they're like, oh, it's so hard working as a waitress, and then they go home and they're in this nice house, and I'm like... Yeah. How can you afford this? Yeah, it's, it's not as easy. <laughs> it's as... so hard being on my own in this yeah. nice three-story house with 500 bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's but really But he's living annoying. in a shitty motel, which, God, I feel that so yeah. hard. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's believable yeah. is the point I'm getting at. And I, I props to the movie makers for doing that. Because yeah. you could have had him in a nice hotel. Or, or a nice apartment. Nice apartment. But the idea is that he's living a hard life, and that's understood. So the next morning, these two big guys try to, to basically coerce him into working. Because apparently we find out he used to work as a driver for a mobster. Like a, a wheelman, Yeah, basically. apparently like two years ago he got caught or whatever. Yeah, he's been in, he was in prison for two years and paroled like six months earlier. And this is the only job he could get. And he's going legit. He yeah. has no interest in going back to the mob. Well, he gets in his car, his cab, as soon as the, the mob guys are chased off, the promising revenge. Yeah. And he looks in his mirror, and there are these two kids sitting in the back. And he goes, what the heck? And he stops, and he's like, okay, how the heck did you get in the car? And they go, through that portal. And they point at the door. <laughs> and he goes, where did you come from? Outside? <laughs> it's like, okay, so these are normal kids, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, so they, he, the, okay, I'm going to talk normally, laying out what they say, but it's yeah. important to m mention that the kids, first of all, they were both really good kid actors. Yeah. We've seen some pretty bad kid actors in our lives. These two aren't, weren't them. Honestly, I actually remember the girl and being in a lot of things around this time period, mm -hmm. and apparently the, the boy grew up and is still acting. Yeah, we think, the, based on his IMDb page, we think the boy grew up to be the big, muscular, blonde-haired guy in uh, Bad Boys for Life. Which we went and saw in the theater before which COVID is, out bro which, broke out. Which is an interesting movie. It's not great. It's not as good as the first two, apparently. I, I've never particular. I've never loved Bad Boys as much as Megan has. <laughs> it's a fun movie. I'm not complaining. It's it's perfect. I'm not even judging yeah. you for it. It's a perfectly fine movie to love. I just never loved it. as it's much It's just as you that did. the that the newest one is a little lopsided. Yeah. But there's some good moments, like that character that we think he plays. Yeah, I, we liked him. We liked him. He was great. 
so uh, the kids offer him a. So I'm going to talk normally, but what I was going to say is that the kids speak very, for back of a better way of putting it, data. Yeah. From uh, Next Generation, where yeah. they're talking at length. They're using big words to describe really simplistic ideas. Yeah. Because uh, they want to be exact on what they're saying. Yeah, they need to be precise, basically. Yeah. And it's either because that's just how they talk on their home planet, because surprise, they're aliens. Or maybe they're, it's a translator. And or they might just honestly think humans are stupid. I don't know. I think it's like a translator thing, but mm-hmm. that's just headcanon, guys. They yeah, don't we, confirm it or anything. They don't give any any clarification. Well, they literally say we don't use all of our brains yeah. in this, so they might honestly just think we're dumb. <laughs> uh, there's no way to know for sure. But uh, the point is, I'm going to talk normally for what they say, because it would just be too hard to remember their exact dialogue. Yeah. So the kids basically offer uh, Dwayne Johnson $15,000 to drive them somewhere in the middle of the desert. And uh, the money that we, while this is going on, we find out Burke and his CSI team are tracking the kids through like photos and, and cameras all over the place. We find out that they actually stole that money from an ATM without ever touching it. Yeah. Uh, they completely cleaned it out. And then we get back to Dwayne Johnson's character and they're driving along the road and they get confronted by two black vans. And he, and Dwayne's character, he assumes it's from that. Mr. Mobster Wolf. guy, yeah. Yeah, the mobster guy. He's like, look, I told you guys I was done, basically. By the way, Dwayne Johnson's character's name is Jack Bruno, but like 90% of the characters he plays, I just see Dwayne Johnson yeah. for the most part. I, I, I feel I do bad. not want to wreck him. He is a, actually a really good actor. The first time like, <sighs> the first time I didn't see him as Dwayne Johnson was in Gridiron Gang, and I still see him as Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. It sounds weird, but like he usually plays... A very similar character each time. Yeah. Even when he's a bad guy, he plays a similar character. Yeah, I would say uh, in Be Cool, yeah. I kind of saw him as a different person, too. Yeah. Because he's a little different in that. Yeah. And not just because he's gay. It's because of how his performance is set Yeah, it's up. a little different. But most of the time, and I, I'm saying that, I want to clarify, that is 99% of actors yeah. uh, in the world. When I see Tom Cruise in a movie, I don't see the character often. I see Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, when I see, uh, modernly anyway, when I see Harrison Ford in a movie, I don't see the character Harrison Ford's playing. I see Harrison Ford. Yeah. Like, the exceptions are Indiana Jones and um, Star Wars, Han Solo, and that's only in the first three movies. Yeah. Uh, now he's just Harrison Ford in yeah. Star Wars. It's it's 99% of actors. I am not trying to belittle Dwayne Johnson. He's proven he has acting chops. But in this We've movie... We've seen it. Yeah, in this movie it isn't required of him. He's just playing basically himself having a shittier life. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, he assumed, but we're going to jump back and forth between Dwayne Johnson and Jack Bruno because unfortunately Jack Bruno as a character isn't terribly memorable. Yeah. Um, so Jack Bruno slash Dwayne Johnson thinks it's the, the, the government vans are actually from the mob. So he does a little bit of fast and furiousing with them where he creams so them funny. off the road. And it, it makes, it's so funny. Yeah. Cause <laughs> this movie came out. I know we keep connecting everything to fast and the furious. And if you're not a fast and the furious fan, I'm sorry. You must we, hate us. <laughs> yeah. We love fast and the furious, especially by like the time Dwayne Johnson shows up. It's when it really starts getting good. Uh, and we admit that it's dumb. We admit that it's stupid. I literally watched the Fast and the Furious kids CGI show on Netflix this week. I <laughs> look. There's one of my. Favorite, I wasted brain one of my cells favorite doing that. Re- One of my favorite online reviewers described it as live action anime. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I love my live action anime. <laughs> it's a live action anime mixed with a Bollywood movie, but without the music. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> car can 
car. What is it called? Car <laughs> Kung Fu? Yeah, yeah, it's Car Kung Fu, basically. <laughs> it's a superhero movie where your superpower is being able to drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they are. Or super strength, whatever the hell's going on with Vin Diesel who can land on cars and be fine. He does it in every movie. He yeah. grabs somebody and lands on a car and he's like, you're it's okay. It's Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's his superpower. He's Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> he, Lava would be terrified to have him land on it. <laughs> so anyway god i can't wait for f9 that trailer still sits with me we need to rewatch that trailer yes it was so wonderful we were looking so forward to this oh it'll come out it'll be out i know hopefully they'll use this time to upgrade like the graphics and the editing so it'll be even better but anyway getting back to this i know you guys are tired of us bringing up fast and the furious every time if we had any fans anyway but it's, um, We're gonna hap- it's gonna happen. It's I'm gonna sorry. happen. Just <laughs> accept it. Uh, if you don't like it, you can stop listening to us. I mean, uh, we won't take it personally. <laughs> Fast and Furious isn't for everybody. But trust me, if you've never given Fast and Furious a chance, or if you did and gave up by like the third movie, those were the bad movies. Those are the worst three. They're still not terrible. I in think my the opinion. second one's okay. Fun. The first, second one's okay. Yeah. Why are you waving it towards me? <laughs> The second one is the, probably the closest to being a Fast and Furious movie as we have yeah. seen it now. The first one, we'll discuss this a lot more when we get to Fast Five. Yeah, but we, the first one yeah. is probably the weakest overall. Yeah. And the third one has a awful opening, but the second half, of, second third of the movie, like the second act, yeah. and is really solid. And the third act isn't as good as the second act, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, it, it's such a strange movie. You, you'd think Tokyo Drift would be so much worse. I expected it to be so much worse than it was. Yeah, we're going to save most but, of our Fast and yeah. Furious discussions we're gonna do we like, get to Fast Five. Basically, when we get to Fast Five, we're going to do a summary of the Fast and Furious movies. And as then, well as everything else Fast and Furious we yeah. touched on, which is a lot. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, getting back to this. Um, Sorry. He does a Fast and the Furious <laughs> thing with the, the, the vans, basically out driving them. And we find out during this event that the kids have superpowers. Uh, the girl has Jean Grey's abilities. She can lightly read minds and she can telepathically, uh, telekinetically lift things. Yeah. And the boy has... He can... Kitty Pride's abilities? <laughs> basically, he can... I guess they... Phase through things? Yeah, he can basically phase through things and he can take a really good hit. Yeah. They also say it's Vision's powers. Probably more people would be familiar with Vision because of the Marvel movies Uh, that, that he can... Phase through things, but he can also become super solid so that things crash into him. It yeah. doesn't hurt him at all. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the uh, that's their abilities. And Dwayne Johnson doesn't put the pieces together in what they do. He just thinks things are weird right now. He has to get yeah, away. Yeah, he thinks his car was messing up or something. He yeah. thinks these are normal kids. Yeah, for the most part. And, and he, he thinks he drives... it's his fault that they're in this trouble. Yeah, so he drives to what turns out to be a, an abandoned shack. In the middle of the desert. Mm -hmm. And he lets the kids out. The kids just give him the 15 grand. He goes, the 500% tip for driving two kids into the desert. That seems accurate. And he gets out and follows them in because he's probably concerned, but also curious. They overpaid. He feels bad. He thinks that he put them in danger, remember. So he feels really bad they gave him so much money. Not realizing this money means nothing to them. Yeah. Not only did they steal it, it, but once they get back home, this is going to mean nothing. Yeah. So... They get, uh, they go inside, and then Dwayne Johnson follows them, and it turns out that the entire shack is empty, but it's been tossed, like that someone's gone through and torn the place apart. Yeah. And uh, the girl Sarah says that she really she trusts Dwayne Johnson to know the truth, 
And Seth, the boy, says he can never trust any of them, especially this one. Yeah. And uh, they decide to... But they don't actually like make Dwayne Johnson's character, Jack Bruno, go away. Yeah. They just say, oh, we're fine. And they keep doing what they were doing, which includes opening... You can't see this leave. And then they continue to do what they're doing. And he just stands there watching He just the follows them like a puppy. <laughs> they don't know what to do with him. Uh, so, yeah, they use this little device they've got, which is like an advanced cell phone, yeah. uh, to open up a secret door that was inside the, the Refrigerator, fridge. Refrigerator, yeah. And they go downstairs into what turns out to be a giant cave filled with, like, Star Trek Wrath of Khan cave. Yeah. Filled with, like, growth <laughs> and stuff like that. It, it's, it's the Wrath of Khan cave where yeah. they go into this cave and there's a whole bunch of overgrowth. And unlike Wrath of Khan, there are these really weird alien pods. Yeah. And it turns out that there's something in one of them. And watching Dwayne Johnson in this exchange is great because it's weird that he's in. he drove a bunch of kids to an abandoned room, to an abandoned shack in the desert. It's weirder that there's a, there's a hidden doorway behind the refrigerator in that shack. It's really weird there's an entire cave full of full of trees and stuff down underneath it. But it is insane that there's these just weird glowing pods that one of the kids reaches she into. She just reaches her hand in and it looks disgusting. And then she pulls out the thing and she's like, we got it! Which I'm <laughs> guessing the thing is supposed to be like a, a mini USB or computer. I, like I'm it, guessing it's something that's supposed to like record data. Yeah, well I'm just saying for our listeners, I would, I would say a mini computer or USB drive yeah. is kind of what this is. And oh, they did a really cool shot earlier where this creature we later know is the siphon is like standing right next to Dwayne Johnson when he's started to follow them. And it's dark and it's on the top part before they go in the cave. So yeah, it's and really then it, dark. it's like the light cuts out because it's kind of like flashing, and then when it comes back on, he's gone. Yeah. And Dwayne Johnson never saw it. Well, when they go downstairs and they find the thing, uh, they suddenly start hearing these loud noises, and it turns out the siphon is down there. And we don't get to see what the siphon looks like, really. It's, no. it's, always, it's always cut around it. And I was 100% certain this meant that they were really embarrassed by how the, the costume <laughs> how the looked. How the creature looked, yeah. But it, it actually, we'll get to it later, it was meant for a big reveal. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, if I'm being 100% honest, although I do like the design when we get there, I don't think it was worth the tease. This no. was not the Predator where no. it reveals that his mouth has that cool, like, opening laugh No, thing. it's not that great. It's it's good. It's not that great. Though. It's not that great. Mm. Although, honestly, you know why it looked like as good as it did? Because it was apparently designed by the same studio that did the Predators and the Aliens in the Alien vs. Predator movie. Yeah. Oh. Well, it actually kind of reminded me of the Giver. <laughs> yeah, it's... the Giver. For anyone out there who doesn't know, there was a movie co-starring Mark Hamill. There's another Star Wars connection. Uh, <laughs> called Called the Giver, which is... Really weird. It's based on a Japanese anime, but loosely and made by American audiences, and it really doesn't know what the heck it's doing. It involves... It's a lot of fun. It involves mutations and humans, and it's it's a weird film. It, it, it feels like Power Rangers, but mixed with, like, The Predator. The, <laughs> the, the original if Predator movie. If you like movie. bad movies, but, like... Like, not bad, bad movies, but, like, so bad they're good, mm-hmm. you... You'll like this. It has a lot of so bad it's good moments. Yeah. But it didn't have to. That's what makes it sad. Yeah. And, and there's some people that legitimately like it. Anyway, uh, so the Giver starts attacking, and uh, Seth and Sarah and uh, Jack Bruno manage to fight it off. 
Uh, and then while they're doing this, they accidentally set off a bunch of uh, they set off a bunch of those pods. Okay, they have this really cool thing where the the alien technology seems to use a version of blue energy slash fire that looked really cool on camera. Oh yeah, it, it caused a fire and it was this blue flame and it was really fucking cool looking. Yeah, it looked really neat and it seems to be. Recurring. I think that's where they spent all their CGI money. Yeah. It's a recurring motif because every time that creature, the siphon, shows up, he blasts, like, blue energy balls at yeah. people. So it must be a part of how the alien technology works is that it, it has, like, this blue methane gas or something. Yeah. Um, but the, the, it starts to set off all the trees and pods in this place, and then they run upstairs. Uh, Seth gets knocked out. They close the door behind them, trapping the siphon down there. And then when they get up to the surface, it's like one of the coolest shots I've seen in most movies. Because it's like the ground keeps firing because underneath the ground is where the... The, the cave was. The cave was. So whenever a blast goes up, it goes right through the ground yeah, underneath the fire. kids. Yeah, it's fire. And the sky is changing. It looks so freaking... The sun is setting, I think. And it looks yeah. like the sky is bright, blood red. Yeah. And then there's ash falling everywhere from where the blasts that are going up. Yeah, and it just fire... It looks like they're. It run- looks really cool. It looks like they're running through fucking Silent Hill. Yeah, it's like a, it's a Silent Hill shot. It's a really <laughs> cinematic shot. It yeah, really it's looks great. cool. It's 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 way cooler than like most of the shots in this movie. And I'm not saying this movie looks ugly. I'm just saying that that part looked really fucking. Yeah, cool. it looked really good. It stood out. Uh, so Jack is of course upset by the fact that the kids haven't explained anything because what he's just seen is a bunch of weird. It's fucking ad- crazy. It's fucking crazy. But he doesn't have time to really talk to them right now because they're being chased by the siphon. Yeah. And they race. They have this really, really tense moment where they park in like an undercover, like uh, on the railroad tracks. Yeah, and underneath cover, and the siphon is in like a flying machine. Yeah. And it's like scanning for them, and the scan and the gets blue right, light. yeah, it scans up right to their front bumper, and then stops. And like the way they cut around, it was really tense. I knew he wasn't gonna find them, but, but it was really still tense. Yeah. So they start driving again. Jack demands more information. They he gets a little bit, mainly that the kids are in fact aliens. Oh no! Wait, this is after that, after yeah. the train. So next up, they get chased through. A, the the siphon finds them again. And he chases them on the train tracks. I think tracks. that's where they explain that he's a, a siphon. Yeah, I think that's an assassin. Part. They yeah, call him assassin. assassin. Yeah. Uh, and they end up on train tracks, and they're driving through a tunnel while this this hovering, like, larger than a drone, but large enough to carry a person, is following them. And then they see a train coming, and Jack's like, oh, come on. And then they floor the, the, the that poor cab is taking quite a beating at this point. He's like, it doesn't go any faster. And yeah, perhaps so- out about 105, I noticed. Yeah. And then, uh, so, uh, Sarah, who has the telekinetic powers, you know, Seth says, Sarah, and Sarah starts using her powers to make the car go faster. So they, they top out at like 140. Yeah. And they manage to pull off the train tracks just before the train gets through, hits the tunnel. Yeah. And as soon as it hits the tunnel, it hits the, the hovering thing and explodes it. Yeah. Which was great. And Megan and I were like, and they put a fair amount of work into actually showing how dangerous that, that train crash was. Yeah, it was a big ass explosion. Yeah, like, and they were like, there's no way the engineer survived that. There's no way. I'm he like, does. But there's no way. They said he did, but I'm like looking at this crash and I'm like, no. It's only because he's a Disney movie that he survived. That's yeah. literally it. Any other film by any, any other, other company. Film, any <laughs> other film, that would have been a disaster. That guy is dead. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but they did, it's a Disney movie, so everybody has to make it out. Every, all the good people, innocent people, have to make it out fine. Yeah, uh, in a Disney World movie. Yeah. <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> Megan was commenting during this part and one of the parts later that this would have actually made a really interesting ride. Yeah, it would have made them interesting. Like, like they could have split it up into two different rides for Disneyland and Disney World very easily. Mm-hmm. Like, one part would have been, like, the cab drive, and then the, then the later ride would have been, like, the... The later half of the movie or something like a well, roller coaster or something uh, maybe i would have said they could have just combined the because eventually yeah. they get a winnebago in this yeah. and it would have been fine since you have like you know train the cars that you ride around in are like 20 people thick yeah have you riding around in a star tours winnebago thing yeah and then uh it turns out that the winnebago is like have jack be the guy you're that's driving you have like a screen set up so you can see him on there like we're driving you around for tours and then the the car gets taken out of his control by one of the kids. He goes, "One," and you find out They're like we're the, in trouble. We gotta go. Yeah, and you hear from like the one of the kids is using the device to broadcast. We're sorry, we're stealing your vehicle. We're riding on top right now, but we really need to get away. And then it pans over to Sarah, and Sarah's using her powers to steer the 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 yeah. the, the, the thing. You could have had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, it would have been fine, and it would have been another ride that Dwayne Johnson would have been on. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, after after the near train hit, the car is more or less kaput. Uh, it, it's still surviving, but barely. And Dwayne Johnson's character says, okay, you need to explain to me what's going on. And ja- uh, the kids explain that they're aliens, that they need to get back home, and if they don't, the Earth will be in serious danger. And Jack's like, you don't, you don't, you guys are, what do you think I am, stupid? You're not aliens? And the, kid, the girl's like, yeah, sure. And then she starts levitating all of his coins and CDs. Right next to his face, and the CGI did not hold up. No, it, it's it's not good. It's pretty bad. There's only one shot later uh, that's worse, and mm-hmm. that's the the we'll get to that the bullets. That's but, near the end. Yeah, that's <laughs> near the end. But this one was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but and but points to Dwayne Johnson since there was probably nothing floating next to his head. The fact that he's selling being really freaked out is pretty good. Yeah. And this is where they mention that humans don't use all their brains. That we could control stuff with our minds if we wanted to. But we don't... We know that if we, are, we, we do that brain thing, guess what? Stroke. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's from a, a book written, I'm guessing, in the 50s or 60s, because the first movie was in 75, that, you know, was back when humans they, only used 10% of their brain. And like, no. No. It, that's if you take one singular photo, we're using 10% at any given moment. But if you look at it for like more than 50 seconds, we're using all of it. Not even that, like 10 seconds. Yeah, we're using all of it. Our brain is constantly in... in firing different neurons. Yeah, because each part of your brain does something different. Me moving my hand mm-hmm. and me talking with my mouth... Is two different functions. Yeah, so it, we wouldn't have super, we wouldn't have Gene Gray's powers if we suddenly found a way to activate our brains all at once. It would just kill us. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this is based on a, a movie from the seventies where they still thought that. So fine. Yeah, um, it's based off a movie from the uh, movie and a book from earlier than that. I'm guessing, and then and that was an idea that held on from like eighteen. 18- or nineteen early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, that's when they were doing the cranial exams, right? Yeah, they still believed in the bump. Craniotomy. <laughs> yeah, they believed in the bump that the bumps in your head could tell you how you're supposed to live your life if yeah. you if you have criminal. Well, activities. the back of my head is completely flat. So what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I didn't study it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, after this, it uh, means your mom didn't turn you enough in the crib. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what it was, my mom told me, the I used to cry constantly as a kid, 
The only time I wouldn't was when I was one of those self-propelled swings. Yeah. So they just left me in there for hours. <laughs> and the back of that is flat. So in my head, my, my mushy head was laying on well, it. My parents started were, solidifying. My parents were smarter. They put me on one of those bouncy things. Yeah. I was just like that for hours and hours. The the kids, they go to, uh, this is where they go to Stony Creek. And they drop off the car with a mechanic named Eddie, played by Cheech Marin. Yeah. And they offer him three times his normal hourly wage if he'll fix the car within an hour. Yeah. And then they go to the local, like, bar dive. And they oh, have... Jay's Diner. Ray's. Ray's, Ray's. Ray's. It's a diner slash bar. Yeah. But there's, like, little arcade things, so it's family friendly. Yeah. And they, uh, it, it's kind of like a, a, a wing house or something yeah. like that. Like, it's, it's got stuff for adults, but it's also got stuff for kids. Yeah. Uh, so they, they go in, they order some food. Uh, apparently, the, the telepathic lady says, you're thinking about leaving us here and running off away, aren't you? And Jack's like, stop reading my brain. And then they have a little discussion where the kids basically explain they need our, we need your help. If we don't, we need your help, we don't know what to do. You're just, better than you think you are. Basically. Basically. And uh, Jack then gets a phone call from Burke, who is tracked down that they're at this location. And he's telling them, look, just send the kids out quietly and safely, and there won't be any problems. I'll even wipe your slate clean. And, you know, we'll go our separate ways. You didn't ask to be a part of this. Yeah. And Bruno's like, uh, Jack Bruno's like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, just give me a minute. And then he goes over to the kids and says, okay, they're here. The kids are like, they're, they're here, aren't they? And he goes, yeah, they're here. And earlier, a sheriff and three of his deputies had walked in. And yeah. the waitress had come over and said, hey, kids, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And we're going to comment on the sheriff and the, the waitress, waitress in just a second. Yeah. But the sh- he Jack walks over to the sheriff while he's telling the kids to wait. And he says, uh, what's your policy on concealed weapons? Because there's a couple of bunch of guns about to come in. And then he walks away from the sheriff, and the sheriff turns to look at the, the entrance, and that's when uh, Burke and his posse walk in, mm-hmm. the men in black, uh, <laughs> yes. walk in. And uh, the sheriff goes over and confronts him, and Burke's men start pulling out guns. It's like a Mexican standoff with all of them. Like, I'm like, holding... look, if you wanted to explain that you were part of the government, I don't think pulling out guns would have been, like, no. your first step. <laughs> yeah, and while they're doing this, the waitress comes over, sees that they, they're obviously, whoever these people are, they're obviously here for, for Jack and the kids. And they need help. They need help. So she leads them to a back room where there's a ladder up to the roof that yeah. they can use to get off because all the exits are covered. Now, here's where we're going to comment. The sheriff and the waitress are the original actor and actress who played the brother and sister in the first Escape to Witch Mountain in 1975. And there is a fan theory that these are... Because their characters in the original movie were Tia and Tony. Yeah. And the characters in this movie are Tina Tina and and Anthony. And Anthony, yeah. So the theory among the fans is that Tia and Tony actually are the kids from the first movie. Because in the first movie they leave, and then they theorize they came back to Earth and set up Stony Creek, started working there, specifically to help any aliens escape government overreach. Yeah. And people were like, if you're going to ask why didn't they use their powers to help the kids, well, there were a bunch of government agents there with freaking guns pointing at their heads, so no. And at innocent people. Yeah, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't activate their powers right there. So there is a theory, a fan theory, and a strong one, that this movie is not a remake. It is a continuation of the at least the first two Escape to Witch Mountain movies. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the, the other movies this movie reminded us of, because there's a lot, are uh, E.T. It's yeah. obviously a heavy inspiration. Yeah. Um, Paul, which I know Megan hasn't seen, and a lot of Americans haven't seen. It's 
the non-Coronado trilogy of the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movies. Yeah. Because there's uh, At World's End, Hot Fuzz, and Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And then there's this movie, Paul, which was made in America by an American American studio. And a lot of fans didn't go see it. Because the trailer's shit. Yeah, okay. the trailer's shit. But I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, the trailer literally has all the worst jokes in the movie. And they feel like the most American jokes in the movie, in quotations. Like, yeah. a lot, there's a lot of actual intelligence in that film. It's not great. Like, it's not nearly as good as the Coronado trilogy, but it's still worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, but it reminds me of that. And uh, towards the back end, it reminded me a bit of the Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, and then, um, what was the other one we said it reminded us of? There was one more. Oh, of... Uh... Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland, yes. Yeah. Aside from the Giver, obviously. Yeah, besides the the Giver, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrowland, if you this felt so Tomorrowland. Yeah, it really did. Especially the the part when they go into the the shack earlier and they go downstairs. Yeah. Like, cause that reminded me of George Clooney's scene when he's in his crappy little shack and it's got a bunch of giz- gadgets and gizmos everywhere mm-hmm. that he's built. And then towards the back end of it, it felt very very. Tomorrowland too. Yeah. Which Tomorrowland is a better movie that people give it credits for, in my opinion. It's not perfect, but it's it's the problem that they promise you Tomorrowland in the trailer, and you actually don't get to see it till like the last five minutes, and then even then you're you're focusing on the end of the movie. You don't really get to see that, what it looks like. And like it's got a crappy message part of it. Like yeah, part of it. Part of it. Like the it, message- it's weird. It, it's got weird. It's weird. The messaging part I like is yeah. that we need to start actually fixing the problems yeah. as opposed to just saying well it's going to happen no matter what screw it yeah like no that's that you got to deal with the issues everybody thinks dystopian movies which is like no <laughs> uh well to be fair we especially as americans do seem to be dragging our butts a lot and actually fixing the problems that we cause but that's a problem for another day uh i also <laughs> uh, see what i did there I also would say that it's, although I absolutely love the young girl actress, the robot lady in that, the robot girl, yeah. the fact that it's implied that she and George Clooney dated when he was a kid or that she he had a crush on her and now she's interact, she hasn't aged at all, but George Clooney is George Clooney is really creepy. <laughs> it's a creepy level to this story because it's clear he had a crush on her and she kind of had a crush on him for being a robot. Like she felt something for him. Yeah. And then, but it's, he's a fully grown man now that looks like 14 times her age. <laughs> so, not that much. George Floyd's a handsome man, but at least, at least 40 years her senior. And it's just weird to see that interactions between the two. The little girl does a good job, though. It's just weird. So, anywho, uh, we get back to Race to Witch Mountain. And <laughs> oh, um, yeah. so they escape the diner. And they run through the, they get back to their car, their cab, they, they take it back from Eddie, they pay him, yeah. they pull out, they run off, and um, uh, what, uh, he says, look, I can't help you, I'm not the guy to help you, you need actual, like, you need someone from NASA or an Air Force commando, I'm just a guy, and then, uh, they said that at the diner. Yeah, but they yeah. retouch on it here, yeah, and they then do. He, he says, I don't even know anybody who could help you, and, oh, we forgot the dog. I'm sorry. I, we we skipped they picked over the up dog. a great dog. Yeah, d- earlier when they were leaving the diner, like literally just a few scenes ago from what I was talking about, they land and then there's this dog in, I guess, just a stray that looks really angrily at them for invading his space. And it looks like it's about to attack Dwayne Johnson. And then it goes over and starts licking the girl because she's telepathic and told them what the problem was. Yeah. And then uh, Burke, when he finds out they have left, is about to shoot them. And the dog jumps on his arm and starts, like, grabbing it and pulling on it. 
yeah. and it causes him to miss his shot and the dog takes off. And we thought that was all the dog's appearance was going to be. Yeah. Well, as soon as that happens, the girl takes over the cab and stops it dead. He's... And we're like, what are you doing? And then they open the door and the dog runs in. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They... And then Jack's like, okay, no, no. I draw the line. I'm not picking up any more strays. You are not bringing this, that junkyard in here. Yeah, and then the the, the, the guy starts, Burke starts shooting. And then they have no choice but to drive away with the dog in there, which was great. So then, uh, getting back to the scene I was talking about, then we're back at that scene where he's like, I don't know anybody who can help you. And uh, Seth is like, humans can't be trusted. They're all completely useless, basically. And then Jack's like, hey, some of my best friends are humans. <laughs> um, and then the girl says, Sarah says, uh, who is Dr. Friedman? And he goes, actually, she's someone who could help you. And for the record, she's human. <laughs> and so they drive to Vegas into the convention, which we will now touch on. First, I'm going to say that they, the one of the mob henchmen sees them go in, because that comes in a minute. Yeah. But we will now discuss the convention. I'm going to hand this over to Megan. Oh, me? Because you love conventions as much as I do, and I've been talking nonstop. So okay. it's your turn. Well, yeah. Uh, do you want me to talk about, like, plot or just the convention itself? Talk about the convention itself and our love of conventions. Oh, yeah. We, uh, How much we miss them. God, I missed them. I, I used to, for about five years straight, I went to this convention called MegaCon in Orlando, Florida. There's also one in St. Pete we went to a couple of times, right? No, I went to one in uh, Tampa. 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 You're right, Tampa. I went to one in Tampa. I also went to another one. That, I, I went to a free one that was on the UF campus for a little while. And I also, I've been to a couple. Yeah. <laughs> we even knew a girl... Um, I guess a shout out to her, um, who was trying to make it as a cosplay model. Yeah. Tori? Yes. Okay. Uh, Tori. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say her full name. I'm the off chance she doesn't want to be revealed, but she was out there as an actual cosplay model for a while. Yeah. She did a really great Mad Moxie from uh, Borderlands. Yeah. Um, but but we, 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 us and our friends love conventions yeah um, in fact john and kyle another shout out to dead bat yeah. uh, often talk extensively about the cosplay they cosplay they all the time yeah they love it and uh they're good at it too yeah and like i mean when i met eric i was wearing a blonde wig <laughs> yeah i was actually working a booth uh for these bottle cap necklaces that a friend of mine was running it was and, 2011 uh, i yeah, believe 12 <laughs> uh, no i thought we were we were it almost was, was it 2011? It was either 11 or 12. Because we're almost on a decade of knowing each other. Yeah. So it must have been 11. Yeah. But in any event, um, she was selling bottle cap necklaces, this friend of mine, and I was helping her run her booth. And the bottle cap necklaces were like photos of, of characters from tons of stuff, and then you'd put them in a bottle cap. I was there for the doctor. Yeah. She kept coming, back to the do kept coming back to the table, so I thought she was hitting on me. But it turns out she was just coming back for the Doctor Who bottle cap necklaces. Oops. But I eventually got her uh, her Skype account. Yeah. And then we found out we lived in the same town. <laughs> yeah, so we coincidence. Started, yeah, by coincidence. And we started hanging out and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. Uh, and but it was funny. <laughs> so never ever say conventions and bottle cap necklaces are useless. It might find you your best friend in the world. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And cosplaying. Because she was wearing an awesome... You were cosplaying a character from... Uh, that anime you love. Yeah, but that was like a long time ago. We'll not talk about that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we see this convention and it's actually pretty, it's pretty 
it, it reminds us of a lot of conventions we've been to. The difference is that it's a sci- sci-fi exclusive convention. Well, it's exclusively aliens. It's yeah. about alien conspiracies and alien stuff. UFO and, stuff. And a lot of the convention goers are cosplaying as aliens from famous movies and TV shows. Yeah, I mean, there's a guy that's dressed like from Tron at yeah. some point. Um, mostly alien stuff. But, but there are a few stuff. non-exceptions. Though that was mainly because Disney owns Tron. Yeah. And the second Tron, the Tron sequel is coming out right around now. Yeah. Uh, it, or at least it was being produced. And as a result, they probably wanted to cross-promote a bit. Oh, I remember Tron. Isn't there a sequel coming out? Yeah, but uh, other than that, that's what makes it different from the conventions we go to, because we generally go to, like, general, general conventions. conventions. I did go to an anime-exclusive convention before. I have done that. That's a lot of fun. And it was, like, the second year of that convention. I met the voice a- one of the voice actresses for Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. For the record, trailer, Tron Legacy came out the next year, 2010. Okay. So it's um, probably be in production while but, this is happening. Yeah, other than the fact that it was exclusively sci-fi, it looked like so many other conventions we went well, to. Well, we watched the documentary of... after the uh, on the thing that yeah. the only making of was a sneak peek, a sneak discussion. It was called a... Um, it was basically the Easter eggs for... Which mountain, question mark, discover the hidden references. Yeah, basically it was for Easter eggs for the original movie in it. Well, the original movie in its sequel. Yeah. But we, uh, it also included a couple of discussions about what they were doing with a few of the sets. And, and one then, of them was the convention center where apparently they actually got real convention booth people yeah. to actually set up their booths at this fake convention. Yeah. Also, it was like... Uh, when it's when we say Easter eggs, it wasn't just for those movies specifically. Yeah. It was also a couple other Disney movies that came out. Like they yeah. were getting actresses that used to play a specific part and give them the same name or similar name yeah. to their previous character. And yeah, stuff also, like that. Yeah, stuff like that. Also, like just general information on relations to like the people who were acting in this movie and jokes on them. Yeah. The characters they were connected to in previous movies. There's it's, a part where they're they're doing a stage cosplay acting thing where yeah, at could, the convention at the convention where one's like one's the the hero and the other one's the gorgeous girl and they're like ah an alien attack yeah and this guy in a wheelie crappy lizard suit just comes, comes out and, like, out, and there's like a bad like little flying saucer yeah. thing with, with like aluminum foil on it on the ground it looked like they were making fun of like plan nine from outer space but not that movie yeah like it was obviously a bad movie they were doing a scene from a yeah. so bad it's good movie which I've seen a lot of those kind of things at, at conventions, period. So it was it felt like an authentic convention experience. Yeah, if that was a reference, by the way, that little play was a reference to an actual So Bad It's Good sci-fi movie. Please tell us. It isn't mentioned in, in the IMDb <laughs> yeah. trivia or anything like that. So we will track if it exists. We're guessing that it's an original competition. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like the dance scene in Game Plan. Yeah. You think it's something completely new. You think it's referencing something that already existed, but no. It was no, made for it's the movie. completely new. And it's, it's on movie. the same level yeah. <laughs> as the Game Plan dance. Yeah, that Game Plan dance is just so fucking intense. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, it really was. Seriously, what, I know you're probably not listening, but look it up on YouTube at least. Just watch, look up Game Rock. Dance sequence game plan on YouTube. I guarantee you'll be able to see it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so back to this. Um, they track down uh, Dr. Friedman, who's holding a conference. A panel. A panel where she's trying to talk about actual UFOs and real chances of alien encounters. Yeah, she's showing like actual like space 
picture, like pictures that from SETI and stuff like that that she's taken and stuff. And but everybody at the convention is just a, a weird conspiracy nut. None of them really care. Mm -hmm. And the moment she says, "Okay, I'm not doing any more conspiracy discussions. We're talking about the facts here," they all get up and leave. Yeah, basically. And then uh, Dwayne Johnson comes in and says, "Hey, remember me? I'm the guy that drove you the cab from the airport. Remember that?" And she goes, "Oh, right, the non-believer. Uh, what are the coincidences?" He says, "We need to talk somewhere." And then she's like, "What?" Uh, I, I, she's like, is this not private enough well, for you? Because there's nobody else there. And he goes, no, we need to be somewhere private. And she's not going to do it until the, the Sarah telepathically record, says something that's on her mind. And she's like, what the heck is this? He goes, yeah, it gets better than that. So they go to a little quiet corner. Is Mars our future home? Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. is Mars our future home? And it's a closed, probably, like, something probably damaged it or something. Yeah, like, a, it was it was a, a closed a, set thing. A booth area where you're meant to explore the surface of Mars, I guess. Yeah. And the, uh, the, they go in there and they start, to, they, they cut to, I props to them for just cutting out the actually explaining what has happened up to this point yeah. discussion. It starts with her saying, you've got to be kidding, got to be thinking I'm insane, you think I'm going to believe you. And he goes, I know it sounds crazy. And then uh, they, they go back and forth a few times until she says, okay, um, they say that the photo she was trying to show is actually a photo at the panel is actually a photo of their ship. And she's like, oh, you think so? She's like, no, that, no, we don't think so. We know so. That's our ship. And then they were like, she's like, okay, I want my laptop back. And as she's going to go grab it, uh, the, the boy uses his powers to make her hand phase through it. And then they <coughs> phase through it and then they cut, they drop it. And the girl catches it with her telekinetic powers. And then Jack walks over and goes, yeah, they could also do that kind of freaky shit. <laughs> like, or something along those lines. He doesn't curse. but He doesn't curse, but that's the, that's the line you know he wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they set it down, and then she Pulls says... Pulls out like a holographic projection. Yeah, they take out the, the sci-fi cell phone, yeah. and they push a couple buttons. It looked like a, it looked like that communicator from Galaxy Quest. It's what I kept flashing <laughs> to. Um, I love Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest is amazing. Focus. Yeah. Focus. They, they they push a couple buttons and suddenly this holographic projection happens. And the CGI in this is actually not very good either, but we forgive it because it's a holographic projection. Yeah, so that's I can physical. Yeah, I can forgive it because it's supposed to be just a it's not an actual physical representation. It's just like a general representation of what they were showing. Yeah. You know? And uh, it's it's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. And they explain that they're from a planet 33, was it 3,000 3, light years, years away. away? And they established the way they got here was via wormholes. Basically. And they have to get back. And this is where they finally, this is the big exposition dump, where it's explained that their planet, the planet that the aliens are from, is dying because of years of neglect to their atmosphere. Their pollution and stuff, basically. Yeah, and familiar, uh, right? Yeah, familiar. And they realized uh, that they they want to come to our planet because we're to do experiments because ours isn't as bad as theirs. Yeah. But while they were here, the governments on their planet realized that the easier solution would just be to invade and take over and then fix our planet rather than trying to save theirs. Yeah. Most of the people are apparently on the side of sticking it out and fixing their own planet as opposed to taking our resources for stealing their own. Stealing another planet from some other species. Let's be honest here. It's stealing the resources. We're talking about the Middle East here. Yeah. Stealing resources from a less advanced species. Yeah, less advanced culture to benefit them that's already advanced. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they go, uh, but the military really wants this, and our parents, the the Sarah and Seth's parents, our scientists, our scientists that came here to do experiments, the the cave that we saw, yeah. and ways to use 
uh, uh, their technology combined with like I guess some chemicals or whatever to make plants suddenly grow, yeah. which would allow them to um, regrow the plant life on their own planet and thus produce enough oxygen to fix their atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, and basically they, plant trees, motherfucker. Yeah, and they wanted to do this, but the the military is in favor on their planet is in favor of an invasion, an, an easily winnable invasion over a scientific peaceful solution. Yeah. So they have no choice but to. So the parents were arrested, I guess, as traitors, and they asked their kids to finish their mission to go get the, the data. Yeah. Which we saw earlier when she reached into the the the, the weird, weird alien thing. bubble. Yeah, and. Um, Take that back and use it to, I guess, broadcast to the the, the whole place. And there's another solution. Yes. <sighs> and that's the answer to everything that's been going on. This is also where we explain that what a siphon is. It was referred to as an assassin earlier. A siphon is a no. genetically grown and enhanced soldier that is literally bred to kill whatever target it's sent at. Yeah. And apparently, the siphon is not in the book. Or any of the previous movies. It was invented just for this film huh. to give them another enemy coming at them. Oh. And once I realized that, I felt kind of both happier and sadder. Yeah. I'm glad they put the work into the siphon to make him look pretty cool. But it wasn't really necessary. It wasn't really necessary. They the already ma- had enough stakes with the government. And the fact that if they don't get back, the aliens will invade en masse on Earth. Yeah. It's literally the government doing the exact thing it's supposed to be preventing which is by going after these kids and delaying them, they are preventing, they are allowing the increased odds of us being invaded by aliens. This entire organization's purpose is to protect humanity, and by doing their actions, they're actually causing the exact opposite of what they're supposed to. Yeah. Which is, an, you know, Whatever. modern America. <laughs> uh, Whatever. <laughs> prescient as fuck, I guess is the way I was going to go with that. So anyway, um, they they uh, agree that they have to go get the um, the information, but the only way to know where the they have to go get their ship, yeah. and the only way to go get their ship is to find out where it is. So they have to go to Harlan. Was that his name, Harlan Ellison? Oh yeah, yeah, Doctor Harlan. Yeah, he's the uh, he's conspiracy theory conspiracy nuts. theory nut. Basically, uh, what the History Channel's about nowadays. Yeah, he's. <laughs> The unproven experts about aliens and how ancient people aren't smart enough unless they were white. You know, between the uh, the Winnebago <laughs> and the fact that uh, he... Fuck ancient aliens. Yeah, there the fact go. that he looks a little old, I agree with you, but yeah. still. The fact that he looks older and that he's um, he's uh, he lives in a Winnebago. I was flashing to that one guy who was on um, uh, Supernatural for a while. Remember when the Leviathans took over? They went to that one conspiracy theory nut guy who gave them a new laptop and upgraded, completely scrubbed their histories and said, you have to be changing out your uh, your phones on a non, non-scheduled schedule. You know, it, it was he was funny. And then he was killed off camera, I guess. I, it's, he never comes back. I'll be honest, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was reminding me a bit of that guy. But he's a, he's a fun guy. He, he wants to help. They don't explain everything about the fact that they're act- the kids are actually aliens, but they explain they're being hunted by the government. The guy's like, okay, I'm on your side. Um, and then the... He the, explains where they need to go, which is Witch Mountain. Which is Witch Mountain. And they ex- uh, they go back to the, the convention. Uh, Dr. Friedman's like, okay, wait here, I'll be right back. And they're like, we should just go without you. And she's like, you're not leaving me behind. I've been wanting this to do is the like, opportunity of my life, basically. Yeah, this is basically my entire passion right in front of me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna abandon it. And then um, Sarah says, you know, she likes you just as much as you like her. And he's like, oh really? Jack's like, oh cool. 
Uh, I don't really think they would actually make a good couple, though, because they have so little in common. Why not? <laughs> I know the whole opposite to track thing, but I'm sorry. It, it, you need to have something in common with the person you're dating. I don't think they're opposites as much as you think they are. He's not interested Obviously, in science I... at all. She is. He grew up on the streets. She went to college. He ha The only thing they have connecting each other is the fact they both care about these kids. <laughs> and the kids leave at the end of the movie. Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's a Disney movie. I know. I'm just saying. You I care too much about this thing. Says the woman who got really mad when she said later that the reason she could throw a punch is because she grew up with three brothers. I hate that. Yeah. That's stupid. See? <laughs> Look, I'm allowed to like forgive something like that if I want to. It's a fucking movie. True. It's when it's like not set up in any fucking way. That well, to be fair, they don't even have them kiss. No, which is nice. exactly. Which is uh, some other thing we forgot to mention in the previous podcast. When we talked about the game plan, we, we mentioned that the... Dance there is teacher. a love There is kind of a love thing between him and the the dance teacher, but they never kiss. In fact, they don't even. If you're not count, if you don't count the singing thing with the two of them and the daughter on the over the commercials, which is clearly not meant to be an in universe actual thing that happened. Yeah. Then they don't even have a scene together at the end of the movie. No. They're just they're just she cares about him because she's watching his game. So I'm guessing this director must like that yeah. having a love interest that doesn't actually have a big kiss moment on camera. We'll have to see if it happens in You Again, because this is, there's another, one more movie that Dwayne Johnson is in with this director, and it's You Again, which will be like three from, through five movies from now, I think. I'm not looking forward to that one. Well, you weren't looking forward to this one, you liked it. No, but I have a feeling that since he's only like a cameo, I'm definitely not going to look forward to it. Okay. And, I've, and that's the one I've never heard of, because I've, I, game plan looks somewhat familiar. Yeah. This I know about. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about You Again. Well, we'll find out when we get there. Okay. So, I'm allowed to be reluctant. <laughs> I'm not saying you're not, but we were reluctant about um, uh, Longshot. And that is not one of our <laughs> most beloved movies ever. And he had a cameo, an uncredited cameo on that one, too. <laughs> so <laughs> every Not every uncredited cameo is going to be Reno 911 Miami. Okay? <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so the so back to Race, which, race to Witch Mountain. <laughs> and we, uh, we, uh, we have a, uh, she says, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be right back. He goes, okay. And that's when the, the hoodlums show up, the guys that worked for Wolf. Yeah. They're going to grab him. And on their way out, they run into those same stormtroopers from earlier. And he, and, uh, they Dwayne, provide a distraction. Yeah. Dwayne Johnson grabs their guns, their blasters, and then uses it to knock the two guys out. And then he and the kids, this is when he loses the kids. And the kids went upstairs to meet the doctor, but they went and saw that play we were talking about, about the hero and the hot girl and the lizard alien. Yeah. And that's when the, I almost call him the Giver. That's when <laughs> Siphon shows back up. <laughs> the Giver. He shows back up. Siphon apparently can just track them. Because yeah. it's never clarified how he finds them, but he just keeps finding them. Yeah, which I kind of think, I kind of like that I don't, don't know, know how it does. It, yeah. Yeah, because they had a deleted scene that I'm going to mention here. Yeah, go ahead. It where, was after the bar. Yeah. The restaurant bar. Yeah, it was after the bar where they show... It's a scene that they deleted because they said it didn't re go with the pacing. Honestly, I'm glad they didn't show it because it kind of 
looks stupid, where he stole a truck yeah. from the waitress. He stole the waitress's truck and drove off, and there was nothing funnier than imagining that giant monster driving, or normal human-sized monster driving a truck. Driving a puck-up truck. It, makes it's, it... it generally makes it more intimidating if you don't know how he managed to get there so fast, or even how he knew where they were. Yeah. Because it just means, I mean, granted, it's it's convenient plot writing, 101, but it also works really well to make him more intimidating. Yeah, I, I kind of like that I don't know how he got there. Knowing that he drove a pickup truck kind of ruins it a little bit. It's hilarious. But he tries to, he marches on the stage, and the, the fans think it's part of the play. Yeah. And then uh, Sarah uses her powers to cause one of the beams to come swing down and knock him into a, a mirror. A big giant, no, it wasn't no. a mirror. It was one of those uh, video screens. Video screens, and it sparks, and then uh, all the fans are like, yeah! Yeah! And then they, the Jack and the kids use this as an excuse to run out of the room. And then, and then the men in black come in and start making everybody take seats to drop like, down. Drop down, and then these two, two guys are like, best convention ever. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was like, we were we were so on, we totally agree with them on that one. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a great little moment in the convention. And then when they're running out, the, the Jack and the kids, they run into the actual casino with a whole bunch of um, slot machines around them. And then they're surrounded by the men in black guys. And Jack says to Sarah, do you know what I'm thinking, Sarah? And she just kind of closes her eyes. And then suddenly all the machines hit jackpot at the exact same time. same time. So everybody gets up and starts like basically running around to grab all the coins, which gives them the perfect excuse to run away. They grab Dr. Friedman on the way out because she shows right, the door's open and she walks out. What happened to being inconspicuous? Yeah. This is also the moment where Megan was really, really happy because it looked like a lot of the girls in the elevator with the the doctor were like cosplaying an anime. Because she's like, the whole time she's in the, the, we were walking through the convention, we're like, where's the anime characters? There's plenty of aliens in anime. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not just that but like I I know how I know that there's certain times where you go to a convention that's about one specific thing but you'll always see somebody from something that it has nothing to do with it you know you know what I really want to do and this is a complete other uh, another tangent but I want to do this even though I know it is the most dickish thing I could ever do I want to go to a civil war reenactment cosplaying the doctor I want to show up like I want to go there with a companion character and act like we just came out of the TARDIS in the middle of a civil war. You know how many <laughs> Star Trek people go to like yeah, medieval, medieval fairs? Yeah. <laughs> I want to do that so bad. <laughs> I want to do like a bad a bad Renaissance fair cosplay oh, over a oh, really oh, good Star Trek this, cosplay. Sorry, this is, I know this is completely out of thing. I know this has to do with Star Trek. I should save it for the other Star Trek one, but. but but I gotta say it now. Somebody wrote online, they did a story where they went to a Renaissance fair and they saw a bunch of guys dressed up in Star Trek and the guy happened to have his badge underneath his costume. Yeah. And he's like, hey, fellas. He's like, what are you doing? You're you're on a primitive planet. That's before, the, you're ruining the prime directive. And they show some their badge and he's like, you need to get out of here. That's pretty great. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish I I actually want to do something similar to that. I want to do a really good, a really bad Renaissance Fair or Civil War or whatever cosplay <laughs> over a really good Star Trek Universe cosplay. Like you can see one of those cheap, pod, like like a from ha- Halloween a, store, Halloween store costumes, and you're like, I'm a prince, and, and then like underneath it is like my yellow <laughs> uniform. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's done it before, but it sounds like fun. Yeah. 
On the one hip, I have a sword, and the other hip, I have conveniently placed a blaster with my like my my robe over You're it. You're so, like super bad at hiding yeah. that from the Renaissance Fair. Yeah, that'd be really funny. Uh, so, uh, but getting back to uh, this, mm-hmm. the um, sorry, that was completely off topic. But yeah, I and I know it would be rude to a lot of people who are reenacting the Civil War to to do that because there are good men who died there. But I'm not talking about like walking into the middle of the battle. I'm talking like being off to the side and pretending like we're walking watching this oh, we just, shit. We just have, have my companion character go did you get us landing wrong you were supposed to take us to 1978 <laughs> <laughs> i was only off by a hundred years <laughs> <laughs> and here we are in 1965 oops yeah. that would have been really funny uh so anyway the uh <laughs> It would also be a great thing to film because it'd be a great way to get like uh, to to borrow from Red Letter Media to shoot the rodeo because you already have the Civil War and actors in the background. Oh. You camera, you're shooting yourself. They're just doing their thing. You're just recording it. You're taking advantage of what's already happening. <laughs> Increases production value. Yeah. But anywho, uh, back to this. Uh, so they get in the what they think you think they get in the cab, and the cab gets hunted down by the Men in Black. But it turns out that the Harlan guy. And, and his, his two, two assistants, friends, yeah. yeah, they uh, they were driving the cab to distract them, and they actually took his Winnebago, which is a reference to the first movie, which was also in a Winnebago. Yeah. And they drive towards... They still have the dog with them, too. Yeah, they still guys make it a point of showing it that, that... And they named it Junkyard. Yeah, there's a great little scene we skipped over where Junkyard was like, uh, the girl keeps translating for Junkyard that he wants to go outside. He really needs to go to the bathroom. And Jack's like, no, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not stopping. No. We're busy. We're... We got we got to do this quickly. And, and then, then like a minute Hard later. cut to the, to the dog like, roof, roof, running back into the, the cab as he was just off peeing. <laughs> and, he, and Sarah says, he's very grateful he was allowed to relieve himself. And oh, Jack's does like, he need anything else? <laughs> well, perhaps a bone or a meaty treat. And then when they drop the cab off at the convention, they, he tells the guy parking it, park the cab somewhere nice and walk the dog and give him a meaty treat. Give him some water and a meaty treat. <laughs> Which was really cute. Uh, so the dog is with them. They're in the Winnebago. They make it to, to Witch Mountain. They climb up into it and they're completely surrounded by the men in black guys. Yeah. And there was a deleted scene in here that was actually kind of cute where the lead scientist pretends to be an injured hiker an injured hiker with a really thick country accent yeah, and they distract a bell yeah, accent. <laughs> they distract a, a, a guard and knock him out uh, it was meant to show kind of the relationship building between the rock and her but yeah. honestly i'm fine without it but it was still cute yeah <laughs> uh so the kids are captured when they're surrounded by the um the men and black guys and they take them inside and they're getting ready to dissect them which is pretty horrifying but yeah. very accurate for how this would actually be handled. They even try to explain that the kids have to go home or there might be a war. And the guy's like, yeah, they're they're already home. They're going to be a part of this country now. Due to the Patriot. Yeah, they're they, aliens without a passport on U.S. soil. And I'm like, oh my fucking Jesus. Yes. And then, um, so they, they, they were going to just shoot uh, Jack and the girl, uh, Dr. Friedman. Yeah. But uh, because Dr. Friedman's been basically kicked out of most scientific communities because of her belief in UFOs, and because Jack is a, a former and, criminal, yeah, they have absolutely no credibility, yeah. so they might as well just let them go. It'll be less hassle. Mm-hmm. So they, they start to leave. Uh, Jack pretends he doesn't care about the kids. Uh, she slaps him while they're being driven by these two guys. As a distraction. As a distraction. It's meant to keep the guards from knowing what they're planning. 
And then Jack attacks the, the guards, knocks them both, throws them both out the car while it's still moving. And then they turn the car around, they go back, and they break in via, a, like, a, an entry pipe. Yeah, a sewage some sort pipe. of, it turns out it's an exhaust pipe. Mm-hmm. But they climb in through the hole, they go up, they climb down, they go do a slippy slide through another hole, yeah. and they're in the base. <laughs> And they managed to make it all the way to the plastic room where the kids are being held without being seen, which really says that the the, the security here sucks. But well, to be fair, at this time, he, he he's forgetting to mention that the siphon attacks. At no, no, this... it attacks right now. I was about to say that. Oh, yeah. It, they managed to make it all the way to the glass door. They could see the kids. Ah. But they didn't actually, they couldn't go any further, but they still managed to get pretty darn close. Yeah. Uh, without being caught. Still, uh, the uh, Siphon chooses this moment to attack, and Megan mentioned that Siphon is the creature that is literally designed to kill these kids, and because he attacked, he actually saved their lives. Yeah. Because uh, everybody starts running around trying to fight Siphon. He is never more badass in the story than he is right here. Yeah, it's actually... he, he takes on, like, an entire legion of men in black dudes. Yeah. Uh, and while the distraction's being caused, they get the kids, they wake them up, they take them to... The, the hangar, they convince all the guys in the hangar doing experiments on the ship that they need to leave. That they need to be evacuated. There's yeah. dangerous radiation going on, basically. Mm-hmm. So they get on the ship. And, well, they start opening the ship. It has a complete with... It looks really cool. Yeah. It looks like a nice homage to the old, like, 1960s UFO flying saucers, but yeah. also looks updated. And a little sleeker. A little sleeker. I liked it. Yeah. And it has a light bridge, yeah. which is... Cool. I've always liked the light bridges. <laughs> I, I don't ask me why. Just a, li- a, a spaceship. He with likes a light- shiny things. Yeah, a spaceship with a light bridge is just awesome to me. <laughs> he just likes shiny things. So uh, the kids start going up it, and that's when the men in black guys all come in and surround them, and they're going to shoot them. And this is like they literally the the Burke guy is like, "Thanks for opening that. We we're having a really hard time with it. Look, he's won everything." Yeah. And then Jack takes the opportunity to step in front of the kids and the doctor. And he's like, a po- completely pointless act there. And he goes, they're just kids. Yeah. And then uh, Seth comes up and holds Jack's hand. And then Sarah comes up and holds Jack's other hand. And then Dr. Friedman comes up and holds Sarah's other hand, uh, like in Guardians of the Galaxy. No, it's Seth's hand. Whoever is right. Uh, the, the thing is that uh, the... So this is when we get the other really shitty CGI moment. The yeah, worst in the movie. Yeah, it's pretty bad. They're, they're really trying to do a, a Matrix moment where they're doing all the like slow... They're bullets. doing bullet time and the bullets are hitting. The implication is that Seth is using his power to make them all impervious. Yeah, it's so that the bullets bounce off of their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack and Dr. Friedman are, of course, surprised they could do this because they hadn't really established they could up to this point mm. for other people. We knew they could do it, and yeah. they could do it to objects. They didn't know they could do it to other people. Yeah. Well, so, uh, and then um, they're about to be arrested when um, Siphon chooses to attack again. Yeah. And he starts shooting at the hangar and killing all the men and black guys so then our four heroes can run to the ship. Mm-hmm. And they get inside, and the kids start flying it. And they crash into Siphon on their way out. Yeah. And uh, Jack, I, lo- I love Jack, asks, can you guys actually fly this thing? And they said, how do you think we got here? He goes, well, you crashed. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a pretty fun line. I think, I think we've heard that joke in Star Trek before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, um, you know another movie this movie reminded me of? Mainly because of this sequence. You've never seen this movie and no one ever watched it because it's really bad. Zoom Academy for Supers. That Tim Allen movie. 
Because no. you establish, in, in the movie, it turns out that they were being trained in an underground base, and they actually had their own Roswell crashed UFO. That's how the, the super kids got around. So there's actually a part where the kids are, like, they steal that car, they fly around, the, the car, that spaceship, <laughs> and they fly to, like, a local, um, like, fast food joint and order fast food through the drive-thru in their mm-hmm. spaceship. And I was thinking about that while I was watching this, and I didn't want to because it's a bad movie. Um, it's a bad well, movie. Technically, with... I mean, spaceships are just space cars. Yeah, it was a good. It was a bad space movie. Space a... is the highway between planets. It's a bad movie with a really great sub story <laughs> that I wish they had explored. But anyway, um, the, so they they steal the the spaceship. They get taken off, and then they uh, there's some problems with the door. It's not sealing. So Jack goes down to see what he can uh, do about that. And it turns out that Siphon, when they thought they crashed into him, had actually made it on board the ship. Yeah. And him and Jack have a fight. And then uh, Seth, I guess, either realizes what's happening or decides he wants to have, make see what's going on. Yeah. So he leaves the ship to be flown by his sister. Because it has to be flown by two people. Yeah. He leaves his sister and Dr. Friedman there to fly it. And then he goes down to help um, Jack, Dwayne Johnson's character. And the two of them manage to successfully, eventually, get the Siphon into, I guess, the engine core. Yeah. That disintegrates him. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, oh, they take off, at, during this story, they take off the Siphon's helmet. Yeah. And you see his actual face. He, like, has no mouth. Yeah. And he's got kind of, like, uh, like mutant eyes. He looked a bit like um, uh, Deadpool from the end of Wolverine's X-Men Origins. Yeah. You know, um, the really evil, horrible design everybody hated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I didn't want to be reminded of that. Yeah, am I wrong though? He looked a bit you're, like that. You're not wrong. <laughs> he looked a bit like that crossed with the silence from Doctor Who. Oh God, yeah. It's like kind of like the midway between both of those character, those designs. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not as good as when his mask is on. His mask, no. we, earlier we skipped over it, but earlier when he was on the stage is when we got the final reveal of what his face looked like because I was 100% convinced they were embarrassed by the design. So that's why they kept shooting it so you could only see his foot. It wasn't actually that bad, though. No, I actually liked his helmet. His yeah. helmet looked pretty cool. It wasn't worth the delay, no. uh, the build-up, but it was okay. Yeah. And then his actual monster face wasn't terrible, but I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't particularly care for it. I'm, I'm going to forget about it later. Yeah, they were, they were really hoping this would be a Predator thing. Like a, the big reveal of Predator's mouth at the end of the Predator movie. When yeah. you get to see his weird multiple mouth. Like, but it's not like that. It's not as cool as that. No. But they kill Siphon, and then they get on. Then they land the ship right next to the Winnebago, and they have a moment where they say their heartfelt goodbyes. And you can tell, and the director even mentioned this. They were trying really hard to get everybody in the audience crying when the kids had to leave. Yeah. They were trying so hard for an ET moment at the end of ET. That's what they were aiming for, and it just wasn't that good. It was not bad. I was still sad the kids were leaving, but I was yeah. nowhere near tears, and I cry at the drop of the hat in a good movie or something. Oh, yeah. We we're both blubbery bitches. Oh, God. We watched Hamilton, and we were both like... <laughs> <laughs> at, the at the end of it, end of it and we were like, he's so good. <laughs> there was another thing we watched fairly... Oh, it was at the end of Jericho. The yeah. end of the first season of Jericho. Oh, my God. I Spoilers for the end of Jericho. Don't don't spoil it. Just oh, say spoil we, it. we both season, cried. The first season final, we both cried. Yeah, we were both. Crying. He knew it was coming and he cried. Yeah, we it was it was sad. It deserved it. It was a good scene. 
Man. This one, I didn't cry. And it's no. not because I don't think the director or the kid, the actors were bad. I just don't think I spent enough time getting to know these kids with, with Jack Yeah, I mean, all to really feel did, broken up they were leaving. We don't know their personality other than alien kids who need to save their planet. And I'll be 100% honest, I was actually expecting Dr. Friedman, Jack, and the dog to go with them back to their planet. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. I'm like, oh, sweet, they're going to go back to their planet and say... And, and you know, save the be planet. advocates for not invading Earth, especially if there's another way to do this. But no, they get left behind, and I'm like, oh. There okay, is a then. little implication that Sarah gave Jack telepathic powers. Yeah, it's because she leans in really quickly and like holds his head for a second when they're saying like, goodbye. She does like this weird thing, like with a her Vulcan hand. mind meld type thing. Yeah, and then she says, "You're a good man, Jack," with her brain, and Jack hears her. Yeah. So the implication, at least to me was that Jack now has telepathic... She's activated the parts of his brain that were not active before, yeah. so he can now read people's minds. Yeah. That was the implication I got. That's what I got, too, actually. And it actually would have tied into another deleted scene that we'll get to in a minute involving Burke. Yeah. Uh, but that was the implication I got, that that was the gift she gave him. Yeah. Was that he can now read minds to give him a bit of an advantage. Yeah. And uh, the kids leave. At least leave. to protect them from the government people. Yeah, because the government's on their way. They even mentioned this. Yeah. So the kids get on their ship. They take off. And then we get like the credit scenes where it's revealed that Friedman and uh, Bruno, Jack Bruno, uh, wrote a book called Escape to Witch Mountain. Mm -hmm. Where they lay out the events of this story. And they're going as public as they can. Because if they're now captured and disappeared, quote unquote, by the government... People it's will a little bit more public. Yeah, and it's, it's a little bit harder. People will know that the conspiracy is real yeah. or whatever. Hopefully they'll do something about it, though. Yeah. Uh, and they're talking to the same convention crazies that were at Friedman's uh, thing, and she was, like, laughing at them for not believing this stuff. So what exactly is the message here? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a little muddled. It's a little muddled. Um then they, in the actual edited version, they leave, they're signing books, they're doing really well. Jack mentions earlier that he wants a Mustang, a specific Mustang, like a 1963 GT500 or something like that. Yeah. We're not car people, so I don't remember. It's a nice car, I guess. Yeah, well, we it's see it. It's a Mustang, it. I guess? Yeah, I know at the end that he must, that mu that must be a nice car, because I guarantee you that's the car he's in. Even though I don't yeah. know cars, I know from a writing perspective. That would make sense. Yeah. Because he said that was the car he wanted to earn someday. Yeah, and his book was a number one bestseller, and he's made a boatload of money. So I'm guessing that's the car at the that's end. That's the car he bought. He still has... Junkyard. Yes, uh, he Sarah has literally his dog, asked, Junkyard yeah, with him. Sarah literally asks him to look after Junkyard, and he agrees to do it. Yeah. Uh, and they do this thing where you think he's walking back up to a, a cab, but the cab pulls away and reveals his, his Mustang. His car. So, and then him and Dr. Friedman get in it, as well as Junkyard, and then as soon as they get in, uh, the little... When they were leaving, they get, the kids gave the sci-fi cell phone to holographic projector thing yeah to to dr friedman so that they could always find them yeah and then it starts buzzing so i guess i guess, I they're guess trying, that means they're returning or something or they're getting a text message i don't know I, what I don't, they're like ooh, and i'm like okay they I, drive away it, i guess they sequel baited it a little yeah bit. they were sequel baiting hard but and then they drive off in a, in a Fast and Furious shot where they're in this really cool Mustang. And that's speeding. speeding faster than all the other cars. <laughs> it was like, everything is which, Fast and Furious. Which <laughs> I'm letting you guys know, 
do not drive like that, please. Yeah. Don't, unless you want to get pulled over or possibly die. <laughs> well, unless you're in a Fast and Furious movie. Then drive as fast as you can. Yeah, except for we're not in a Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, maybe. Does this look like live action anime to you? <laughs> I wish. Do, do you think we could land on a car and survive? <laughs> I could. I'm huge. That's all that's required. Okay, so it's, okay Mr. Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to Vin Diesel in a second. <laughs> yeah. But of... but first I want to go back just a little bit to, that was the end of the movie. They yeah. drive off, sequel baiting. There's another ending or whatever. There's a couple endings. Well, that, there's them getting yeah. to the car. Yeah. And then when they drive away, that's the end of the movie. There yeah. was nothing after that. Yeah. I'm there's, talking about deleted scenes. Yeah. Place. Backing up, there was a, another scene with Burke where he tries to out-spy them. Where he like hands him a book and he says it made for a really interesting read, especially chapter twelve. But you know that hotel room you've got in like London, it's really great. The suite is a great. He's trying to intimidate them to say he can kill them whenever he wants. Yeah. And then they say, "Wow, your intel's wrong. We canceled that four days ago." By the way, and they lay out what was it Operation High Jump? Is yeah. It, you better dress warmly because the Antarctic's really cold. And it's supposed to be, according to the director, because the director had little intros for all the deleted scenes, that they have been keeping an eye on Burke. But the way I would have read it, if it was left in the movie, was that The Rock was reading Burke's brain. But you can't, he, he doesn't know that. So yeah, it Burke seems doesn't like know he, that. It seems like he's watching him. <laughs> Which would have been fun. Yeah. Uh, but that would have been my fan theory. That, that was what he was trying to say, that yeah. he actually had telepathic powers now. Yeah, because that's what I thought it was implying, to, mm -hmm. too. But they never mention it or anything. Yeah, it's never played up in the actual ending sequences. He never. It would make sense if they did, but yeah. they didn't. It might have been a, a might have been something they wanted to explore in the sequel. Maybe. As it is, the way the director phrased it, it sounds like he's saying that they, through Harlan, are using like the conspiracy theory nuts to keep an eye on Burke, and yeah. they're just feeding them information. It's not that the Rock is reading his brain. Even though they could have easily connected both, but whatever. Whatever. It, it's a kids movie. They're it's not... a kids movie. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. And it does have a lot of plot holes. There's a lot of moments... I was plot holes aren't always bad, but... Well, I was telling Megan when we were watching this, it feels like a high-budget, straight-to-TV Disney Channel movie. Yeah, like, where I people... dated the president's daughter, yeah. or something like that. Where I characters... still love that movie. <laughs> where characters make decisions because the movie requires it less so than that's exactly what you would do in those situations. Yeah. Especially the moment from when uh, Bruno drops the kids off at that shack in the middle of the desert yeah. to when he finally gets an answer to what the heck's going on. It seems like there's a long time when he's just kind of wandering around and nobody... Looking at stuff not and nobody's mentioning, hey, maybe... He you should leave and he's not like, what the hell is all this? Like, it just he seems He never like, once asked, hey, what the hell's going on? Yeah, he just kind of goes along with them. And then from there until, like, he's committed to protecting the kids at the diner from when he forgets the answer to that, like, there should have been a little bit more discussion on why he's so invested in these kids to the point that he's willing to risk dying or going back to prison. Yeah, they could have done it with his backstory or yeah. something like that. Like, because they mentioned in his backstory that he lost his parents when he was seventeen. I mean, they could have mentioned he had a brother or a sister or something in a car too. crash because he was he was trying. Yeah. His his family died in a car crash, and he was driving the destruction derby. Yeah. Uh, and then he tried to break into NASCAR, but ended up be only being able to become a wheelman for a mob boss. Yeah. They could have done something with that. They could have made Well, it... they mentioned he ran away from his foster home. Maybe he, the kids there remind him of his foster brothers and sisters, and yeah. he feels bad that he abandoned them. Yeah, that maybe something been. like that. Like, they could have done a little bit, like, why was he so invested in these children? Not because they're children, but because... Yeah. 
a reason. Yeah. But th- we're overthinking a children's movie. That's what we children's do. Children's Disney movie from 2009. <laughs> yeah. Like, this wasn't, we, we weren't supposed to expect much. This isn't much. peak Disney era, really. No, it just, it just reminded me of a straight-to-TV Disney Channel movie, yeah. but with a much larger budget. Yeah. And there's some really great shots in this. I yeah, love yeah. the convention. I love the, the hell scene in the, the shack when all, everyone yeah, was fire and Yeah, when they're escaping it, and it just... Like I said, it's straight out of Silent Hill. Like, that could have been a great Silent Hill scene. That could have been anything. Where, that could have been a, a great in a horror film, a sci-fi film like this yeah. one. Anything. Well, more actiony. Yeah. And so I like the design yeah. for um, the siphon. That was really cool. Yeah. So those were really cool in this movie. They stood out as interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we we watched uh, the deleted scenes. The only ones we really thought were interesting, we already mentioned. Yeah. Uh, they cut out that scene with Burke, even though it leads Burke as kind of a hanging thread. Because the last thing we saw of Burke in the actual movie was is getting that, a call from the president after everybody. The White House. The, yeah, it was after yeah. after the base has been destroyed and they've lost the ship and the kids and the kids' technology, as well as the two people that were helping the kids. Yeah, they they the the president or the White House calls and wants answers, and it's implied he's about to get his ass chewed out. Yeah. Uh, so. That was kind of the, at least Burke's kind of a hanging thread. Maybe they were going to pick that up in the sequel. I don't know. Uh, they never made one. No. Uh, this movie did make a profit, though. It was about a $50 million budget, and it made about $108 million And worldwide. since the two kids are grown, I don't think they'd be able to make a sequel. Well, they're not going to make one now, no. no. <laughs> but I'm just saying it did make a profit, so I'm surprised they didn't make a sequel for it. Especially yeah. since the original movie got two sequels. Yeah. Um, but that's that's uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, the only thing worth mentioning is that uh, there was a gag reel. Oh yes. And there were several funny gags, but the one that really stood out for us is there's a mo- there's a deleted scene. Yeah. Where the Rock is in when he's in the the diner with the kids. And they're eating. <laughs> they're eating. The kids are using their powers to move stuff around the table to as kind a of joke. It's kind of a joke. It doesn't really fit. I'm glad they cut it. Yeah. Because it doesn't really fit with the scene. Because the Rock is they're supposed to be begging the Rock to stick around. And lay low. And lay low. And they're like, and you know, to help protect them. And then he, they're like getting him in trouble. Yeah. Like, like he has to hide what they're doing. It's it's really kind of dumb. But what the joke is, when the waitress, when he's tired of them moving stuff around, he slams his hand on the napkin dispenser. And he says, is that a, what was it in the move, in the actual deleted scene? Like, what was that a, a, a fox or something like that? Is that a moose? Coyote? Coyote, something like that. Something like that. Well, they did a lot of different variations. They did a lot of different variations. Where That's he sl- why An American bald eagle, slam a beaver, slam a grizzly bear. A woodchuck. A woodchuck. And the last one was slam. Is that Vin Diesel? No, that guy's much better looking. <laughs> which was really funny, especially given that they're going to be in the Fast and the Furious movies together. On opposite sides for a little yeah. while. And just so we're clear, this one came out but a year, I think, after Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, and mm-hmm. like two years before Fast and the Furious, Fast and Furious, which is the fourth movie, where Vin yeah. Diesel actually re-entered the story. Yeah. Which is both prescient and funny. Yes. Given that the one right after that's the one when The Rock joined the crew. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's Race to Witch Mountain. Uh, genuinely better than I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite as good as Get Smart. Um, no, well, that was, one was a lot of fun. I was actually surprised by how good Get Smart was compared to my expectations. Yeah. This one is slightly better than I was thinking it was going to be, but not stellarly better. I, I honestly will. It, it's it's still, better than Game Plan. Oh, yeah. It's, it's better than Game Plan, and it was fun to watch, but I will still forget about it. Yeah, it's, sort of not, it's not going to stick with us. No, it's not going to stick with me. I think the hell scene that we've been I've been mentioning several times, uh, the design for the siphon, 
And that's about it. Yeah, those are the only things that... When I think back on this movie, like, five, ten honestly, years from now, that's what, all I'm going to remember. Well, I, I, honestly, if somebody asked me about it, I'll still remember the story my sister told of her and her friend yeah. more than I will remember the actual movie. Maybe the convention. I'll remember the convention, too, because that was a really well-shot convention. Yeah, like, maybe. it actually made us nostalgic for conventions. The only, like, the only time I've ever seen a convention filmed and that looked like a convention yeah. was, like, from Psych with... The, the George Takei episode from, I think, the first season, mm-hmm. which is one of the funnier episodes from the first season. God, I love Psych. <laughs> they, did a Mark ha- they did a Mark Hamill cameo episode in Third Rock from the Sun where they went to a convention. Mm. And uh, it also looked fairly true. But this is the first time I've seen one in a big budget live action film. Yeah. And it was pretty good. Uh, well depicted. Uh, I don't like the idea that they were all like conspiracy near theory nuts or jerks, but you know there are a lot. Of, that, that, that's not to say there aren't a lot of geeks and weirdos that are those things. There are those kind of people in every group, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah. But this was better than I was expecting. I still wouldn't rate it really that uh, phenomenal. It's fine um, for kids if you have kids, go for it. But yeah, like, if, it, if for your if you want it for your own viewing experience. It's got a 5.7 on IMDb. Would you rate it around there or would you rate it higher or lower? I'd rate it a little better than that because it's it's still better than Game Plan, honestly. Maybe a 6. Although point, there's six, more six, emotional highs in Game Plan. Yeah. So maybe a 6 6.1 somewhere around there. Yeah, 6 to 6.5. It's not bad. It, it, it's if forgettable. It's, if, I'm sure this is streaming on Disney. So if you if you've got the Disney Plus uh streaming service and you've got a couple hours to kill yeah i'm sure this is worth watching at least once yeah but i wouldn't recommend seeking it out unless you're looking for something like this unless you're looking for a kid's sci-fi movie for your children or something for your children to share to something to watch with them i wouldn't recommend it otherwise because it's not even even as a sci-fi movie there isn't that much actual sci-fi in a movie movie it's more of a chase film it's a light it's light sci-fi honestly yeah and it's it's much more of a chase movie it's a constant chase movie yeah uh, but yeah, uh, still didn't hate it. Uh, speaking of sci-fi and kids' movies, next week we are covering, I believe, Planet Fifty One. Yes, Planet Fifty One. I don't know anything about it. No, I I haven't heard a thing about this movie ever. Like yeah. I think I remember seeing the box a couple of times, but I've... I think I saw the trailer once. Mm-hmm. But Planet Fifty One is rated a six out of ten on imdb and they're usually a little bit lower than we would give it so it might yeah, be we're usually we usually rate it a little higher than imdb so it might it might be better than we think it might be pretty good um we'll have to or hope. it might suck balls i don't know i'm actually eager to see because i've actually seen a couple of reviews for it that say it's a really good very underrated film and i'm kind of in the mood for a cgi film yeah honestly it's been a little while and Plus, it's been a while since we've watched an underrated movie so yeah. we'll see if that's what this is or if the reviewers are right and they were just, or, you know, you never know. We'll find out. It's something we, something neither of us have any... The reason why we're doing this is we're experiencing new things with the person that we enjoy. Yeah. And these are, you know, as someone who's, neither of us have any experience with Planet 51. No. So it'll be interesting to see. And then after that, it, even if that one is a terrible movie, the movie after that is the one you've been waiting for. <laughs> Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy. So... I actually seen that movie. It's been a long time, but I have seen it. Mm-hmm. It's a movie... <laughs> Yep. Although it has one of my favorite character actors in it, so I'm excited about that. 
Yeah, and we're getting relatively close to the Fast and the Furious premiere of him. So we're, that's going to be a long one. We got Too Fast. We've got Too Furious. Planet 51, Tooth Fairy, Why Did I Get Married to the Other Guys, You Again, Faster, and then we're at Fast. I'm actually Five. looking forward to the Other Guys because it looks actually funny. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. Yeah. So and I've seen there I've seen his scenes in the Other Guys. Okay. It's Okay, so that's it for this week. This is Eric. This is Megan. And you have a great time, and join us again next week for more rock starring. Yay. Bye.